We're starting a series today through the book of Philippians. And we're going to spend the next few weeks in the book of Philippians. In fact, we're going to end the series on Mother's Day. And, and I, really, I really battled <laughs> because um, I've done a series on the book of Philippians before, but, but the three focuses of Paul to the church at Philippi in his letter are humility, unity, and joy. And I thought, wow, man, you know, we, we started with prayer as Summit Community. What better three focuses for us to kind of start with from God's Word, to be encouraged with from God's Word as a brand new church. And so we're going to focus on these three things, unity, humility, and joy over the next few weeks, straight from the letter that Paul gave to the church at Philippi. Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, planted a lot of the churches that you read about, the, the letters are two in the New Testament. And, uh, and uh, so we're going to hear from him over the next few weeks to the church at Philippi. You doing good? Everybody good? Everybody ready? So if you'll give me 10 minutes, give me 10 minutes, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll be done. Deal? 10 minutes? 10, 10 more minutes? Okay, cool. Did Braden say deal? Awesome. Great. If Braden, the, the first grader, can do it, then, then, then I believe in all of you. Okay. Uh, Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse 1, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are, in, who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Always, in every prayer of mine, for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the Gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. Now, Paul in his greeting here, and we're going to look at the first 11 verses, but we're going to read a little bit, talk a little bit, read a little bit, talk a little bit. That's how we're going to uh, get through this in the next few moments here. Here in the beginning, he reminds the church at Philippi in this letter that they're on his mind, that he can't stop thinking about them. Um, how, how many of you uh, really enjoyed the Olympics? Did anybody really enjoy the Olympics? I, I, I got a lot out of the Olympics. I enjoyed it. I think I talked about this a couple weeks ago. But one thing that I really enjoyed watching was curling. Anybody else just really get into the curling? Okay, great. 2022, we're going to have a summit curling team in the Olympics. I'm just prophesying that right now, okay? I just, I'm just believing it, okay? Um, it's just, it's going to be incredible. But I'm all into this now, and I've, I've, I've figured out, I just thought they were throwing things, I didn't know there was a whole strategy to it, but there's like a whole scoring strategy, and all. it's just really fascinating. I got into it. But you know one of the reasons I think many of us got into it? It's because the U.S. team started out horribly. They were like one in five, right? One win, five losses. They ended up winning the gold medal. We love a comeback story. We love a comeback story, you know? And this was truly like, yeah, this is like, you know, they're going to make a movie about the 2018 curling, right? And they're going to call it Miracle 2, you know? The second miracle, you know, and, and it's, you know, because we love, right, the comeback story, the, the underdog, right, and we're pulling, not, not only was it the Americans, right, but we're the, the underdogs, a bunch of tr truck drivers turned curlers, you know, it's just awesome, you know, the comeback story. <laughs> too much, too far, okay, uh, but anyway, we, we love a comeback story. 
You know, and when the Olympics started, I was reading this this past week, when the Olympics started way back when, 100, 100 years ago, right? right? Um, you know, uh, it wasn't the person that crossed the finish line first. Because, because in their runs, they would, they would run with a torch. They would run with a torch. Um, it was the person that crossed the finish line first with their flame still lit. When I read that this past week, it was like, ouch. <laughs> ouch. Because if you're anything like me, man, you're trying to light so many things, you're trying to do so many things, you're pulled in so many different directions, and your flame is like barely even smoking still. It's not about how you start, it's how you finish. Starting's important, but it's not the most important. It's how you finish. So this church was on the mind of Paul. And he addresses how they're going to finish. They've started okay. They've still got work to do, right? But it was, it was about how they finished. Because he, he, says, he says, he who began a good work is going to see it through to completion. So we're going to work on this. We did this in the first service. And I didn't give people enough warning. So on the count of three, we're all going to take a deep breath Together, not just me, together. Okay? One, two, three. <sighs> you still with me? If you're still with me, guess what? God's not done with you. God's not done with you. In fact, in fact, He has just started with you. I believe He's just getting started. I believe He's just, Susie Scally, I believe He's just getting started with you. I believe he's just getting started. He who began a good work will see it through to completion. God is doing some incredible things around us right now. Have you heard about anything cool this morning? He's doing some cool things. He's doing some unbelievable things. He's doing some God-sized things. He's moving some God-sized mountains that we couldn't do on our own, that we couldn't do in our own strength. But guess what? He hasn't even scraped the tip of the iceberg yet. The church at Philippi was on his mind. And then we look at verse 7 and 8. And he says, it is right for me to feel this way about you. Not only were they on his mind, but they were on his heart. It's right for me to feel this way about you because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me in grace, both in my imprisonment, which we're going to talk about next week, and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you with all affection of, of Jesus Christ. He yearned for them. He yearned to be with them. He wanted to be with them. They were on his heart. And you know, he talks about something here, and it's one of, you know, unity, right? It's one of the major themes of his book. And I think we all long for this word that Paul is really talking about here. It's fellowship. Fellowship. This, this idea of fellowship. Let me tell you, fellowship is not a meal. Fellowship is not, you know, uh, what, what, whatever, right? You know, I've, I, think we, I think we define fellowship in a lot of ways right now. Simply, if you, look at, if you look at fellowship defined simply, it's to have in common. It's to have in common. To have in common. 
And I think we all work really hard at trying to have some things in common. Like I really, you know, I like this style of music, or I like, I like these m- movies. And we feel like, oh man, if I don't like the same movies that Dylan likes, then we can't be friends, right? Or if I don't like the same music as, as Donna likes, then, then, then yeah, sorry Donna, we just, we just can't be friends. You know, I'll sit over there, you sit over here, and we'll try to survive each other, Okay. But as I was in the DR this past week, I had a couple people that were on my team that go to the same church. They, they came to me and confided in me. Because it was, it was one of those trips where um, I, I went down not planning to speak at all, and I spoke four times. <laughs> Twice with a translator, which is always a lot of fun. <laughs> the sermon's really short, so some of you are like, well, we should have a translator every Sunday. Then. <laughs> And I said in my, in my first message, I said a couple of things, and, and uh, I'm still working on that vulnerability thing. I looked at the bus of my team, and I said, this has probably been the hardest year and a half of ministry that I've ever experienced in my life. There's a lot of reasons why that I can't get into, because I'm already two minutes away, and we're only on point number two. <laughs> and so they, 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 they felt like they could come in and confide in me. And they said, you might not know anything about this, but my church, our church is going through a transition. I said, no, I don't know anything about that. <laughs> I know nothing about church transitions. And they said, yeah, yeah, it's really hard because we're struggling to, to, to feel like we belong. And I was like, yeah, I really know nothing about that. <laughs> and... Uh, and I was reminded in the conversation talking to these two people. I was reminded of something one of my pastors told me a few years ago. He looked at me, and he looked at a room full of people actually, but I felt like it was one of those moments where I felt like he was speaking just to me. And, and he looked at me and he said, if your pastor and your church loves Jesus, nothing else matters. And, and, and as I listened to these two people struggling and, and really searching to find their place, not in a combative sort of way, but they had just been really invested and they were tired and their, their flame was, was almost out because of all the things that they had done and all the exhaustion and everything that they had poured into it. And, and, and as I just found myself sitting there holding back tears because I identified so closely with them, I was reminded... The only thing that matters is not whether or not we, we, we like the same music, not whether or not the color of carpet or the color of the walls is okay, not whether or not this is in the right place or that's in the right place or this or that, because we're not called to coddle each other. We're called to love Jesus and make Him known to the world. And that church is all that matters ever for the church at Philippi and for the church today. Do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? So I looked at him and I asked him, I was like, man, this hurts, but does your pastor love Jesus? And you're like, yeah, beyond the shadow of a doubt. And I looked, back, I looked at him and I said, then hold his arms up. Because that's all that matters. So 
So the church was on his mind. The church was on his heart. And then in verse 9, And it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more with love and discernment. So, so, so here, and Paul is telling the church that, hey, you're not only on my mind, you're not only in my heart, but you're in my prayers. And he prays for three things for them. He says, it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more, that their love would keep going, that they would progress in their faith, that they wouldn't sit still, that they wouldn't just put the bathrobe on, sit back on the couch, put their feet up, and say, ah, I've arrived. But that they would put on the armor. And that their love would just keep going and going, and that they'd keep fighting and keep fighting, and that they wouldn't quit, but that they would get pushed through to the finish line. That their love would keep going and that it would bound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent. And so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Paul prayed for their decision making. He not only, he not only prayed that their love would abound more and more, that they would progress, but he, but he prayed for their decision making. That they would be able to discern the will of God and to do what God had called them to do. He prayed for their decision making. And then thirdly, and lastly, verse 11, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. He prays that their love would abound more and more. He prays for their decision making. And third, he prays for their fruit. He prays for their fruit. He prays for their fruit. A tree, you can tell a tree by its fruit, right? By its fruit. By its fruit. So this morning, the question for us all, I believe, is how's your fruit? How's your fruit? How's your flame? Is it burning? Is it dwindling? Is it exhausted? It's not about crossing the finish line first. It's about crossing the finish line with your flame still burning. I don't know about you, but that is hitting very close to home for me. I've got some guys that are going to come up, some people, I have no idea who's about to come up, but I've got some people that are going to come up and help me distribute communion, and the worship team's going to go ahead and come, because we're going to pass out both the elements to you, the worship team's going to sing Jesus paid it all, but as they're coming, stay, stay in this moment, stay in this moment with me. Because I've, I've mentioned this a couple times before. But, but I was really moved by this. Two weeks ago when we preached on it here, the prayer of Jesus, John 17. And the prayer for His church. When He prayed for all those who would believe, verses 20 through the end of the chapter, I believe is 26. But verse 20 and 21, He says, My prayer is they would, that they would all be one. 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 My prayer is that they would all be one. And I said it two weeks ago, and it's just, it's been burning in my mind. It's been burning in my heart ever since. 
I don't believe that the enemy gets more joy than when the church is divided. I don't feel like he's winning more than when the church is unfocused. When the church is majoring on the minor. When we're not majoring on the major. We're not majoring on Jesus and His love for us and His love for people. See, all this is cool, right? I mean, I mean, Uganda is awesome. The work of the NAS at, 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 at USM is, is, is awesome. And that's kind of excluded as, as to what I'm about to say. But, you know, we can go down and, and build 180 wheelchairs. We can go down and build 180,000 wheelchairs. And come back from that. It's, it's kind of hard to talk about. <laughs> It's kind of hard to talk about Uganda. It took them a while to be ready to even share about that trip because there's a lot you have to digest because it's raw and there's, there's only so much you can understand without experiencing it. And so, so God did things that I can't even share because you, it just wouldn't make sense. But what matters is what's your fruit tomorrow? What's your fruit today? Is it going to be defined by you leaving and saying, wow, man, that was a weird church service. They didn't really even do a full message. I mean, the pastor kind of had to rush through. They talked about all the things that God's doing everywhere else that I'm not even a part of. Wah. (laughs) Is that going to be the fruit? Or is the fruit going to be, wow, man, look what God's doing in the greater church of the world and I got to be a part of it somehow because I know Jordan because because we support the work of the navigators here and the, the next great awakening is gonna it's gonna just flood out of the University of Southern Maine and these college campuses across the state man my pastor went down and turned wrenches for a week those chairs are gonna break tomorrow <laughs> But I got to be a part of it because you know I was able to kind of, kind of send him and lend him for a week to this to this other ministry so that he could go down and 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 get filled up a little and or, or do these different things and you know I mean we get to be a part of it why because it's the bigger church why because we have Jesus in common and that's all we need and that's all that matters because he came to show love and to bring hope. And as we walk into a communion this morning, and we're going to try to do this quickly, but without rushing through it, because that would be irreverent. As, as we walk in, as we distribute these elements, as the team sings, Jesus paid it all while we distribute these things, just sit and reflect and think about those two things. Think about the love of Jesus. That as he's standing, he's sitting with his disciples, he's sharing in this last meal. He's saying, I love you. My body's broken for you. And, he, and, 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 then, he, and then he goes on to say, listen, 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 I love you and I'm going to prepare a place for you because my blood is spilled for you. I am paying your debt with my blood so that you can have hope forever.